Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Design to Product podcast, where we talk about getting a product from design to a manufactured product. We'll hear about the journeys of people who build products, DFM principles, new materials and processes, working with manufacturers, common mistakes, and much, much more. I'm Adar, your host today, and I'm the CEO of Giga. And if you feel like you do too much with administrative work when it comes to purchasing custom parts, like searching for the right manufacturing suppliers, requests for quotes, following up on orders, you're probably right and Giga is the ultimate solution. We connect you directly with highly vetted manufacturers and streamline the process of ordering parts from any manufacturing suppliers, including your own, so you can get your parts at better costs and lead times while freeing up a lot of engineering time. So our guest today is Bill Coves. Bill is a hardware product developer at 50 Swiss. And 50 Swiss is an industrial design and engineering consultancy and focuses on consumer electronics, sporting goods, and medical equipment. Was that right, Bill? Sure. Yeah, that's that's definitely right. Um, and also a lot of IoT products and consumer goods um, along those lines as well. So yeah, tell us a little bit about uh, 50 Swiss and about your experience. Sure. Um, so I've been consulting for the past five years now, and um, I've set this up after um, coming out of a startup uh, called Electric Objects, um, where for four years um, I was the director of design, uh, design and engineering. Um, it was a great experience. Um, it was it was my first startup experience after coming from working really with um, manufacturers uh, directly and also consultants um, earlier than that. So my experience at Electric Objects was great. Um, uh, we started, it was, I was the third hire and um, helped them bring a product um, to life um, in a very short amount of time. We had a Kickstarter campaign that was successful. Oh, nice. And, um, yeah, <laughs> it was, uh, uh, I think we got, around the 700,000 um, uh, interest um, in, in terms of dollars. And um, because of the quick um, you know, time to market, uh, we really had to, to push very hard to get a custom uh, product uh, out the door. Yeah, you mentioned that you had, uh, you, you're able to get to market very fast. Like what are the main things that helped you do that? I would say the the first the first thing that really helped was identifying the, the market as best we could, um, having a sense of of what components were really critical and necessary to get the project uh, put together, and then um, finding the right experts in areas where you know I didn't have a skill set. To help us, you know, build a custom SPC um, and help integrate with an LCD panel. Um, really, just finding critical experts um, and working very hard to to get prototypes put together and get as quickly to market as possible. How did you find the, those experts? Did you did you know them before? Um, uh, we did. We did not. Um, we we found uh, we found our SBC um, designer, um, our electrical engineering house, um, through a contact um, 
um, at Avnet, uh, we were sourcing uh, LCD panels and components, and uh, we formed a. Re- I had a relationship with with them in the past, um, and they made some suggestions of manufacturers in in an area where we were really um, hoping to to get the product made. So um, it really just came out of um, talking to component suppliers. Got it. Got it. And you you probably uh, designed a lot of uh, products since in uh, the last five years or were responsible for consulting um, companies about it. So what are some of the products that you're most proud of or most uh, excited about? Yeah. Um, yeah. So lots of products since then. Um, and so I've been lucky to have met uh, a lot of people along the way um, to help me get into some of these these projects early on um, some of the some of them uh, include um, working with company like sidewalk labs a Google company um, helping them develop a, an IOT um, sensor in the ground um, it's part of their their uh, forward thinking pebble project um, I've worked with um, with company called mirror um, which um, has it's a sporting good Uh, or really a training uh, equipment for the home. Um, that was exciting. Uh, and also a company called Proteus Motion, uh, which came out with a new product last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, just received an IF award for that, I believe. Um, and helping them with uh, really some accessories and some mechanical uh, portions of that project. Um, let me see. Recently, um, uh, I've just completed a project with a Kickstarter um, company oh, nice. um, and that came from another project a couple years ago a company called um, move 38 and their gaming system called blanks um, and so um, um, uh, that was that was another super fun one um, mm-hmm. let me see yeah there's been a couple couple others uh, I had a robotics project along the way so um, A wide variety of things. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's been a, a lot of lot of different projects. So very nice. Been, it's been really fun. And yeah, I, th- I think Kickstarter is uh, a great way to not only get initial funding for your project, but also to validate uh, an initial concept or an idea to see how much traction is going to get. Um, like, what are your thoughts? You went through a couple of them, so... Maybe that would be helpful for, for the audience because I know that uh, mm-hmm. a lot of um, founders and uh, product builders are usually um, find it hard to validate, especially because hardware products are naturally harder to create prototypes and it takes a lot of time. So what are some of your tips there? Um, I, I like the Kickstarter platform a lot. I think uh, what you mentioned before, um, as it, It's, it's a great platform for um, getting your initial product out and validating it, um, seeing who the market is. It's, and like you said, it, it is tough to do that with normal process, just you know, having a couple of prototypes, giving them to friends, family, or um, maybe a small network of people. Uh, Kickstarter does, it gives you a, a little bit of a marketing edge as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but you, I think the, the critical thing there is you really need to be pretty buttoned up with what your message is and what the product is because you really are 
um, producing something for the actual market. Um, so yeah. while, while it can be uh, a great tool to use for testing, um, I would think of it definitely as, you know, you know, it's a platform for selling your, your end product. Yeah, and there are a lot of stories about people who are, were very disappointed from the end result uh, after they were really excited about uh, the product. So you, have, you probably have to be very ready um, when you launch your, your Kickstarter campaign, like uh, how you do the video and uh, how you raise money. I know that there are a lot of people who prepare a lot of time in advance for the Kickstarter launch to gain momentum. So it's not a very simple, simple thing. So maybe you, you first of all had to do a lot of things to validate your concept beforehand, because then when you go up to Kickstarter, it's like a, a more advanced stage. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think um, if you're a startup and you have some, some backing, um, the, the ways that you've gotten, um, some of your funding is through validation through investors, um, but also maybe a core group of people. Um, I think uh, the companies um, that approach Kickstarter have two paths. You know, they can um, either prepare as much as they can and be ready to really kick off uh, manufacturing, and they need some funding to do that to pay for supplies, uh, or you know, in in maybe a, a, a less um, great way to do that is to is to use Kickstarter to get interest in the project, and then you start developing. So um, mm-hmm. there's a couple couple of different approaches. Yeah, yeah, and the people who use that to get interest in the project, and then people buy their products um, have to deliver on something that yeah they're unsure of. There's a lot of um, hard things along the way. And, and maybe we can talk about that a little bit. You work with a lot of hardware founders and a lot of startups, and you've been in a startup yourself, employee number three, you said. What are some of the mistakes that you see founders do, uh, especially new founders who are like first, the, it's the first product that they're building? Yeah, it's great. Question. Um, I'll I'll try not to get myself in trouble. <laughs> um, uh, I think other other founders, not your customers. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'll try to imagine some scenarios, but based on based on reality, um, I think I think founders that maybe don't come from a hardware um, process have a, a bit more of a difficult time understanding the challenges of developing a product. Um, and so, so issues will come up that maybe aren't really solvable, but they become um, maybe stakes in the ground that, that become kind of bigger problems than they, than they really need to be. I'm just being very general here. So, um, but I think people who have been through the process before have seen some of the challenges that take place throughout the process and they're able to um, uh, leap over the problems a little bit better. So what are some of the um, challenges that you see uh, hardware founders deal with like, and and how do they solve them and how do you advise uh, to solve them? I think every project is really, really different. You know, I, I find that, 
depending on the complexity of the project, I would have different ways of approaching it. And so, I don't know, maybe like a medium complex project to get over some of the problems quickly. I think, I think you need to have really a, a mix of people on your team. And I, I would not discredit having someone with experience come in and either as an advisor or someone full time that can really help, you know, drive the path a little bit. So getting that experience in with someone who's been through the process before, I think is really helpful just to get opinions, um, find solutions a little bit more quickly and, you know, help the team in ways that maybe a founder that doesn't have experience can. Got it. Um, what about um, managing the time constraints? There's obviously almost always uh, timelines. You have to yeah. get to a certain point by a certain date. How do you manage that? How do you short, shorten time to market? Maybe in ways that people don't necessarily think about um, and can be crucial to reduce the time to market, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think, uh, you know, pre-COVID, there, there were things you could do, like, you know, I'm just thinking in terms of more sort of operations stuff, decreasing time to market is, you know, really anticipating um, components and, and the manufacturing process, making sure that you, you have enough components on hand. You know, you make a selection early and you, you stick to decisions on, you know, what you're using for the MCU or the SBC or, um, whatever, um, video display that you're using. Um, and you go and you can, you know, pre-buy these components. Um, that will help. It's worked for large companies, and I think for smaller companies, uh, that helps as well. Post-COVID, um, when there are shortages of, of components uh, and supplies, um, it becomes very difficult. So just being able to manage that will help cut a pretty big chunk of time to market, I, I think. But you're, I, I'm going to assume that you're talking more about development, so I'll talk about that a little bit as well. Um, I, I think the challenges pre-COVID and post-COVID are still there. Um, making, putting in the, the right amount of effort upfront on a project is critical. Um, uh, putting together a product requirement document is critical, um, especially for the engineering side. Um, for the design side, understanding who, what your market is. Um, what what the competition looks like um, and getting a sense of you know how the customer needs to interact with whatever product you're making so there's just getting all of that um, effort in up front is really important got it and, and when do you involve uh, the, the the manufacturers the the people who should make these products uh, during yeah. the, the, the prototyping phase like wh- where do you get them? <laughs> Uh, to to be part of your team essentially in, in building that product. Um, I I start as early as I can, really, to not only um, maybe help build prototypes, but also interact with them on costing, 
making sure that you know your bomb is going to be in line with what what you're expecting. Anything you can do to to um, validate a supplier um, is great, especially if you can do that early on. Um, so just getting involved in the manufacturing process, um, you know, in a preliminary way is great. It doesn't cost you anything necessarily, you know, sending out drawings for quotations or sending out meetings or video chat or getting a tour of the factory online or whatever. Um, it doesn't cost anything except for your time. Um, and I think in the long run, it will help you uh, produce a better product. Right. And um, do you usually like work with the same manufacturer from uh, the initial stages to when you need to mass produce it as, as much as possible? Or do you divide that to different suppliers? Like what are the, the different considerations between the two? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it really depends on volume. You know, um, I, I wouldn't have a Flextronics necessarily make prototypes for me, but, um, but if I'm making, you know, uh, hundreds of thousands to millions, um, um, that's a different story. If you're looking for a resource that can do both, um, I have suppliers that I've worked with in the past that I would, can call on because I know they have um, the skill sets and tools in shop to make stuff just as one-offs and prototype. But they also, they're high, you know, uh, low volume, high mix kind of places where I can, you know, potentially, you know, you know, make a run of, of, you know, a couple thousand parts or assemblies if I need to. Right. So they can scale with you. They're not just for the prototyping stages. They can really become, uh, uh, your manufacturers for, for larger quantities and probably it's best to communicate that to the suppliers so they know that they're not just there for uh, a small number of units but they're for uh, as a as partners uh, basically so yeah yeah absolutely advise you uh, how to do things and they can help you be prepared for larger quantities where maybe cost can be more crucial factor and um and there would not not be problems in the assembly and and so on and so forth yeah yeah absolutely and i think specialty manufacturers can do that um uh, pretty well as uh, uh, you know from you know cnc machine shops all the way to injection molding houses that really specialize in that um yeah you know i think you could if you if you present the project um they more likely than not they'll be willing to work with you on those initial stages and help you prototype um, but also um, help you scale and with the idea that you know they can they can gain your business and and um and you can form a relationship with them right bill Coles, hardware product developer at 50 swiss thank you so much was very insightful thank you so much for your time that's really fun Yeah, for me too. And thank you for everyone who listened to our episode today. Um, You listened to uh, Design to Product. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you want to hear more uh, episodes, so just search for Design to Product podcast. We are uh, on every podcasting channel. Looking forward to talking to you on the next episodes. Bye-bye.